Hi, welcome back to All Things Data. Today it's all about supply chain. With everything that you've probably been hearing in the news and reading in the newspapers about supply chain issues, whether they are at ports of LA or you know shipping, containers, general slowdowns because of COVID, we're gonna talk about resiliency today and try to figure out if there's a place for AI in NLP in the world of supply chain. So without further ado, let's get going. Hi, Victor. Nice to talk to you again. Today, we're here to talk about supply chain resiliency and how AI and NLP can make a resilient supply chain. Could you talk about more uh, what companies should focus on? Absolutely. In the general or traditional view of supply chain, especially in a global supply chain, I mean, in the supply chain of the last 40, 50 years, the usual or normal way of operations where you're really applying as much automation or insight or trying to get insight into is often around the planning and supplier network. What you're trying to do in supply chain, you're looking for some version of predictability. You want to make sure that, you know, I'm going to be able to build my widget with the inputs that I require from your company and that company and this company often just in time. So I have the least amount of waste, right? The other thing that they often look at is resiliency. So these companies, especially larger companies who rely on many, many vendors for their inputs will often look at some way of ensuring that if your company can no longer deliver to me some raw material, I have an opportunity to go to another company or I already have the contract in place with another company that allows me to source those materials elsewhere. And then that sort of leads into the last point, which is really all about um, like exposure to disruption. So as you can imagine, when COVID hit, a lot of businesses basically went to almost zero production. It disrupted a, a large amount of the supply chain of the world. And you have raw inputs coming from all over the world, generally going to somewhere like China or somewhere in you know Southeast Asia or South Asia to be assembled and then moved around the world and all this stuff. Some of those raw materials were either missing or the value added by middle companies wasn't there. So the raw material didn't make it into the specific place you needed it to build your product. And that's something we've seen in the auto world. We've seen that a lot. You know, the chip manufacturing has slowed down and then demand came back and mm -hmm. it was like at a massive roar. And because we're in a world where everything is computerized and digital, just about everything needs those chips and right. car makers are some of the biggest users. I mean, your AC has several chips, your entertainment control system has several chips. So everything has a bunch of chips, even like the way you move your seat up and down if it's electric has chips. So cars were being shipped with features that were sort of turned off because of the chip problem and the chip mm -hmm. supply lots chain of problem. Delays. That's right, lots right. of delays. And I'm sure you've read and many people have read of stories where some car is actually sold and received by the, the end consumer. And they're told, when we get the chip, we'll turn on that feature then. So that's how disruptive supply chain issues can be. And having an eye to all of your vendors and the promises that you have is 
very crucial to all of this, like very typical overview of your supply chain network, right? Mm -hmm. And to have that sort of overview or view of everything that you need to see, you really need to be reading all of the documents that you, you receive from your vendors and that you send out to your clients. And I mean, really the systems to do that are things like Zenith and Apogee, where you can extract all of this intelligence from all of those procurement and invoicing and agreement documents that you have and build a full picture of the whole thing and give you much better visibility into any vulnerability you may have in supply chain. Is typical or not, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's great, Victor. If that's a typical focus, is there any other vulnerabilities companies are exposed to? Yeah, absolutely. In the world of yesteryear, people were really only concerned with the planning and supplier network. I mean, that's sort of where they all landed. However, in the world as it is today, especially with large players and the consolidation that we're seeing with companies like Walmart and let's say Amazon existing, who want some form of vertical integration where they own more of that supplier network or have control over it at least, and just have other people sort of play into the supplier network, you sort of want to start focusing uh, on some other factors. And some of them really are around transportation and logistics generally. And not only there do we mean like tracking, which the end consumer always sees, but even something as small as route optimization, which can lead to huge fuel savings and uh, a lot less maintenance if you're not spending as many kilometers on the road. And speaking of maintenance, how about predictive maintenance? There's a lot of a lot of data that comes from trucks, trains, and and planes and ships that allows you to figure out, oh, this kind of thing may happen to my engine, to the manifold, whatever, to some part of my system in the near future that I probably want to look at immediately so that I don't cause my transportation network to come to a halt all of a sudden because there is a breakdown. In transportation logistics, you have a lot of like little things that you can talk through and work through and optimize. In just about any operation, anyone doing business, any large business specifically, you want to have financial resiliency. That's not only a matter of having enough money in the bank that you can pay your suppliers and your staff and all this other stuff, but you wanna simulate scenarios, you know? Most companies now use a number of financial instruments and are invested all over the place. So you wanna simulate scenarios where some of those bets that you're placing all over either go up or down and you have a cash crunch or there are other sort of vulnerabilities that show up so that you become more aware of any risk that that may be there and that could present itself down the line. And those simulations and having risk awareness really leads generally in financial to forecasting. To forecast, you you sort of want to play out many scenarios and figure out, all right, it, you know, given that we believe this is going to happen, what does our future possibly look like, right? Then you also in supply chain want to look at just general product complexity. That's usually more on the product management side and understanding whether or not your end user, your clients are using every feature and every part of the product as you might have designed it. 
and whether you're spending a lot of time fixing or creating things that people are just not using. Mm -hmm. So you want to be measuring those things as well. Uh, and lastly, it's just general like business life cycle, organizational maturity stuff. So you want to build in resiliencies into your organization so that you're nimble and that you have a really good focus on customer service and can start doing a version of like predictive understanding of issues. You want to know things before your customers do so that if you get a call at, you know, two in the morning and hopefully you don't, but if there's a 2 a.m. call saying this thing is on fire, you already know and you're like, oh, we're working on it. It'll be fixed in 10 minutes. Thanks. You know? So yeah, across those four, those quadrants, let's say, there's a fuller picture of the vulnerabilities that exist in supply chain. And there are ways that AI and NLP can interact in all those and help fix some of those vulnerabilities. Can you talk about how AI and NLP can aid in financial resiliency? Yeah, I mean, of all of those, I guess, secondary or newer vulnerabilities, uh, the financial one really is sort of the tip of the iceberg and one of the easier ones to, to work with. Uh, in the world of financials, you're usually dealing with pretty structured databases and often spreadsheets. So it's structured data in a sense, right? So it leads you to being able to simulate scenarios quite nicely because you you should have a really vivid picture of what today looks like. And you probably have a pretty good idea or picture of what even, you know, 30 days out and possibly a quarter might look like. So you have a good idea of today, the past, and a little bit of the future that you've thought of. So you could start simulating scenarios where things happen. Maybe uh, a large pandemic hits and you want to simulate how that could impact your supply chain network. You know, you might look at the war breaking out, you know, things that, you know, don't happen often, but sometimes they do. And if they all happen at once sort of leads to a much larger risk to your business than you would have anticipated otherwise. Measuring risk and forecasting risk is another way where AI and machine learning really shine. If you're able to quantify what risk is to you, especially in the world of financial, because you do have all this data and it's all very structured, it allows you to get to a place where having seen risky things come to fruition in the past, you can model them into the future. So you basically have an idea of all of the inputs that it took in order to make that risky thing came true. You could train either a light regression model of some sort in machine learning, or you could get into a much more involved deep learning model, but you could get to a place where you could start predicting when similar events could happen in your financial world, and you could start planning for those. Again, it's, it's akin to a simulation because you want to see how and when will this happen? And then you want to plan around it, right? You want to make sure that I have a way out of those problems if they should arise. And I've thought of these things, you know, and those are usually questions that you talk at the board level uh, about as well. Now to empower all that beyond like the spreadsheets and the databases and, and all of the software that you typically use in operations, you're going to have just a lot of contracts, a lot of documents, a lot of agreements and invoices. And there is a huge 
portion of your operations and especially in finance that require you to read those uh, documents. Most organizations just tend not to actually enter all of the information back into their systems from the, the agreements and invoices, you know, things like discount dates and rates and length of contract, things like that. So you get into weird situations at times where you have a contract that isn't performing and the the company isn't doing the thing it's supposed to or you're not performing to that company and the interaction is still going. So you and that other supplier are still working together even though there's something in the contract that would have broken that relationship. So you want to know of all these things and generally you want to know of all the savings and optimizations that could exist in finance because of you having read all those contracts. If you digitize them and put them into a database, you can then run much more involved machine learning models to actually right. understand where you're exposed. And being understanding where you're exposed is really the whole purpose of this, is really knowing your vulnerabilities, right? Absolutely. Getting yeah. a head start. That's right. Right. Yeah. You briefly touched base on this earlier as well, on customer service and predictive issues. Hmm. Uh, could you tell us more about customer service and predictive issue resolution? Absolutely. So an organization, should they be around long enough is going and have enough clients is going to have people call them right and generally these people whether they're your suppliers or they're just end users you know like a regular consumer will call and they often don't call on their best day they're calling with a gripe of some sort i need help i need help <laughs> generally it's just like i'm at a loss your company isn't doing the thing that i'm expecting it to what's up so in those instances you want to make sure that you are able to serve them the best way possible. So customer service obviously makes a lot of sense and having large call centers can be very helpful. We've all been in calls where the person on the other end isn't pleasant or something's happening, right? Now, there's ways to impact those people and help them be better customer service reps. And you know that's often through scripting. And imagine a world where you're able to understand the entire ecosystem of your company and its product that is occurring in that moment so that you can easily and poignantly get to what the issue might be before I even know it, me being the end user. So imagine you're a telco and basically all of your network talks to you in monitoring and logs. So you're able to understand whether or not a certain node somewhere, so a radio antenna is down. If you understand that, you know, there's an area of the city where there's reduced service, you already know that if people are calling from those areas, you can be immediately prompted and apologetic about possible network disruptions that are happening to the people that are calling from those areas because you know right? That's a very simple example. But beyond that, you could get to a place where you also do that with either conversational AI, like chatbots or IVRs. So imagine removing people from the loop altogether and having a pretty intelligent bot that is able to answer all of these questions in many languages and does this 24 hours a day, you know? Again, that's where 
a system such as our Apogee with our chatbot Mensa shines really well. Rather than you as the buyer of Mensa, which is our chatbot, having to input all the possible ways that you're going to have the conversation with it, you basically feed it a lot of information about your product. Imagine giving a new hire a lot of your reading about the product, product management, your FAQs, things like that. We do that same thing with Mensa and it creates a brain for itself and it can answer just about any question uh, about your product, about your service and about what's going on wow. automatically without you having to basically seed it with a ton of when this says hi, you say hello right. back, you know, those things are kind of four or five years ago and you want to have one where the brain sort of ingests, for lack of a better term, it's either your wiki or your FAQs and can answer everything back and then can also answer that in many languages. And that's what we've built is, is something like that for customer service. And this product is called Mensa. Mensa is the module of Apogee that is the chatbot. Yeah, Apogee Very is cool. the brain and then Mensa becomes the chatbot. The, the entire ecosystem really is Apogee as the core and then many different little things that Apogee understands and can do things with, yeah. Very neat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was basically our chat about supply chain today. As you might have guessed, uh, Apogee, Zenith, and Mensa uh, fit very nicely into the supply chain. And we've done a lot of work with transportation, logistics, freight, financial organizations, and in the service world as well. We generally deal with a lot of organizations who have paperwork and hordes of paperwork, but we make a really good understanding of that paperwork and have tools that can help your organization digitize it and understand it better and build better forecasting and intelligence from it. Yeah. Great. So thanks for listening into All Things Data again this week. Join us next week where we'll be talking about more things data. Thanks.